Welcome to the Live Leadership Podcast with myself, Leela Singh. All things coaching, career, and personal branding. This podcast is for ambitious career professionals like you, wanting to create a life of choice and freedom, to be, do, and have more through overcoming limitations, to develop new perspectives and insights, and to redefine your success, be that in work, health, relationships, and so much more. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Lenis Perez. Lenis is a wellness engineer, a coach, an international public speaker, and, a, and certified as a meditation teacher and also in plant-based nutrition. She has a master's in chemical engineering. During her 16 years working in the engineering industry, she experienced firsthand the high stress and high demand that STEM, that is science, tech, engineering and maths careers put on individuals. Through her talks, events and mentoring work, she's teaching professionals in the STEM industry, stress management and burnout prevention tools so they can have more impact, fulfillment, peace of mind and ultimately more joy in their day-to-day lives. In today's episode, Lenny shares with me the impact of prioritizing a stressful career whilst compromising on other areas of your life, how having the courage to look inwards can open your eyes to what you really want, why asking that one question can have you stop, reflect and shift direction more easily than you thought possible. Her realization that constant doing and keeping busy often equates to avoidance of processing feelings and emotions and the importance of mind-body connection, creating balance and creating sustainable, healthy habits. So let's head over and hear what Lenis has to say. Lenis, hi there and welcome to My Brand HQ. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. Thank you for having me here. How are you? I'm very, very well. And tell me which time zone you are in today. I am in hot and sunny Texas. It's been consistent around 40 degrees Celsius for our international uh, people are triple digits pretty much over here. But yeah, in Austin, Texas. So enjoying the sunny days. Yeah, we had a few and now thankfully it's back to normal and it's a bit cooler. So can't complain. I can handle that in the hol- when you're on holiday, but not when you're trying to work. And it's like, right. it's hard. It's hard. Yes. Cool. Okay. So I want to dive straight in because there's a lot to talk about here. So first of all, can you share with me, Lennis, your journey into engineering, your early career journey? Yeah. So I have a master's in chemical engineering and the reason why I pursue chemical engineering specifically was because I was born and raised in Venezuela. And I remember traveling to go visit my grandparents or when we will go to, um, to the beach on vacation and we'll pass through this gigantic plants, especially at night, right? So there were refineries um, that had all the lights and stuff. And to me as a child, just driving through it, I was always curious and in awe of what that was. I knew it was a refinery, but obviously as a child, I I didn't really understand what it was. I knew for Venezuela, oil was really important, one of our biggest resources. And when it came time to decide, okay, what am I going to do for my career, my professional career? My dad is a civil engineer. My brother is a mechanical engineer. So I was like, I'm going to be an engineer too. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Yes, I was good at math. I like chemistry, physics. I was like, eh. So that's one of the reasons why I didn't go to mechanical engineering um, and chose chemical because I really enjoy organic chemistry and um, it just made more sense to me. And I learned that by doing chemical engineering, I could have the possibility of working for the oil company in Venezuela at a refinery. So it just, it was kind of like a straightforward path that Mm -hmm. I had in front of me. Okay. And how did you find that whole experience? Well, so I ended up moving to the U.S. because my dad was relocated for work. 
And my intention was to come to the US to learn English and go back to Venezuela. Now, intention is one thing, what life brings is another. So I ended up getting my master's actually um, in, I studied in New York at a school called Manhattan College. So I got my master's there. I found a company that sponsored me and I started working. I worked for them for about five years and they were a licensing company, meaning they will license technologies. They did have um, one department that focused on refineries, other departments that focus on more of the downstream uh, products from refinery, more of the light, olefins, ethylenes, et cetera. We can go, I don't wanna go too technical there, but yeah, so I work with them. I got my sponsorship, so I could stay in the US legally. And I worked for them for about five years and I was looking for a change. So I felt that in that specific company, there were two tracks that I could follow. There was the very technical track uh, where I will get a lot of knowledge, uh, be the go-to person as a technical manager for the technologies, or I could go into more of the management, but sales and marketing and customer relationships um, path. And honestly, when I looked around, I didn't want to have the life of any of my managers. (laughs) (laughs) So to me, that was another sign of maybe I need to change. Maybe I need to do a switch here because I just didn't, didn't, see myself climbing that corporate ladder. It wasn't that I didn't have the drive. I had the drive. It was just not the right environment for me. It's what uh-huh. I thought at that point. Right. Sorry to interrupt. What, and what was it you saw in your managers that had you feel that actually, I don't want that life? Well, first, there were very few women in management positions. Um, from the gender perspective right and and for the um the women managers that i saw i saw that they had to put in a lot of hours a lot of compromise in terms of family they were traveling a lot um you know working really long days late hours more than 60 hour weeks and from my direct managers that were all men at that point i will see they really didn't have boundaries there were very few examples that I had of colleagues and managers where they had boundaries with work everybody else seemed to be working 24 7 even like some will come in on weekends and their life was revolved pretty much around work and in my mind I felt that that was going to be the expectation for me Mm-hmm. if I was pursuing a managerial position in that company. Right. So what did you do then? <laughs> I mean, having ruled that out, what was the next step? The next step. So I ended up finding a job at this really small company. It was no more than 60 people, very niche. They specialize in small scale design of chemical plants. And at that point, I felt that I could really improve my technical skills there. And that was really amazing because you were in charge of the project from proposal stage to building construction and actually starting it up. So that whole range for me was fantastic. And yeah, and and I enjoyed it for a couple of years and then During that time, I had gotten married and I started to notice that I wasn't really good at keeping those, um, you know, balances between my work and my life. Uh, So I was struggling a bit. I was starting to have some health nuances and issues that I couldn't figure out how to get rid of. It it was just Mm -hmm. like it kept coming up like sleeping the amount of hours they recommend and still waking up tired, having a little bit of foggy brain and feeling bloated and just constantly exhausted. And it just, I didn't know exactly why all of that was happening. So that was kind of, okay, 
work is one thing and I have to show up and I have to be professional and I have to be productive and efficient. And then at home, it's like, I still have to, you know, had the cultural pressure being from South America of doing the home wife things, right? It's the cooking, the grocery shopping, the cleaning, the keeping the house, being the house manager. So pretty much I was doing both and felt that I was running into this hamster wheel every day just felt kind of the same and was again having some health issues throughout so, so when that you time. said about balance because you mentioned kind of the, the, between the two what what was the issue was it that the work hours and the demand took a lot out of you and then he was struggling with managing home life or what what exactly was happening there was it the stress from the work was it what specifically do you think it was for you it was in cycles, right? So sometimes work was stressful, which then required me to work longer hours, which then left me feeling depleted by the time I got home and with no energy. Mm-hmm. Um, other times it was the expectations that I was setting for myself at home and not being able to do it all, right? So it's this Wonder Woman, superhuman complex that I had created in my mind that didn't allow me to rest. And I know um, many people feel this, that when you sit down and you start being watching some shows, although at that point we didn't have Netflix like we have right now, but if I was watching TV or if I was kind of quote unquote being lazy, I will have this feeling of guilt and this nagging thoughts in my mind of, hey, you should be doing this or, you know, my to-do list has a hundred things. Why aren't I tackling my the to-do things that I want to do at home? So that was the struggle. Honestly, it was just a lot of it was inner expectations, like the expectations that I had about myself and what I wanted to project to others and being a constant giver. Right. And when you say about wanting to project, what does, what do you mean by that? Oh, I have it all together, you know, and life is just wonderful and perfect. And I have a great career and I'm making strides and I'm learning. And I also have a great home life and, you know, we're moving along and hitting all the milestones that society expects you to have, you know, you graduate from college and then you get a home and then I think for me, the trigger was when, when we finish um, like completing our studies and we got the house and we started paying off some of the debts and it was just like, okay, what's the next step? And it's like, well, the next step is motherhood and having children. And that was just um, a lot of other things just came up when we were trying to make that decision that made me realize number one I was in a toxic relationship it was a relationship that was not healthy um, in the sense of it sucked a lot of my energy Mm -hmm. and that's one thing that I've learned through the process is because I was never able to set boundaries within the relationship because we started um, dating when we were really young, I didn't really create my own identity. I was always mm-hmm. either somebody's daughter, an engineer, a girlfriend, then a wife. And I never was able to really give myself that time that I think people do have in their early 20s to be curious, to try different things. I, I literally, because I was in the U.S., I had to um, take the responsibility at 19 years old. My parents went back to Venezuela. So now I'm quote unquote, an adult that has to pay the bills, be responsible for everything. And then right after I graduated, within a year, I got my job, I got married. So there was never this transition time Mm. for me to play around and to ask, who am I? And what do I want? And what do I really enjoy? Mm -hmm. And so where has that brought you to now? Well, so that's (laughs) between all the health issues that I was um, kind of battling through and really trying to 
figure out who I was because the marriage ended. Um, we ended up getting divorced. And interesting thing is the month after our divorce was finalized, I got laid off. So um, the company had to let go of 20% of their workforce due to lack of projects. And I was part of that 20%. And in that process, I kept asking myself, okay, I asked my manager when I was sitting down to get the letter that I was, you know, being let go, the notification and all the paperwork and stuff that I needed to um, sign and fill out what was it because I was getting very mixed a very mixed message in that point I was getting laid off but in the past five years that I have worked for that company I was getting one of the highest bonuses I was getting incredible feedback on my work I was you know being considered to be promoted to change position and all of a sudden it's just I'm out what could I have done something better? And the feedback was, no, it's simply a numbers game for them at that point is how can we survive Mm -hmm. as a company? And it, unfortunately, you know, my salary, I guess, was pretty high at that point where they said, we have to let you go. We have other engineers that have a little bit less experience, but are earning less also. And that's pretty much what happened, right? So so that was kind of the start of, okay, I got to take care of my physical health. I got to take care of my mental health. And I got to figure out who the hell am I (laughs) now that I'm not an engineer anymore because I just got laid off. (laughs) So um, yeah, that, that was, I think, when you hit rock bottom, And that's when you really start to think, okay, what have I done? Where am I at? Am I really happy? Um, I had been already having those thoughts, especially because during the the period before getting divorced, um, my health had deteriorated significantly because of stress. Uh, my dad had been in a hospital for 45 days. They didn't know what was going to happen. He had a high risk of dying. Thankfully, he made it through. So it was everything was thrown at me. And I didn't know how to cope with the stress of what life was bringing into me. I just had no tools. Um, I had done therapy. I had, you know, I tried doing meditation. I had run a marathon before all of this happened. And I just felt like, I don't know how to handle this. I just want to hide like an ostrich, put their head (laughs) under the ground and be like, okay, I cannot deal with all of this. Yeah. Oh, so tell me then, like, how did you get out of that? How did you even start to get out of (sighs) that? Right. The, I think for me, the starting point was to acknowledge that I was not happy because of, uh, as I shared earlier, of what I was showing outside to the outside world. I was always smiling, high energy, very happy, um, optimistic, positive, but inside I just felt like I was just not happy at all. Like I didn't feel joy. I think like happiness comes and go, but being truly joyful, that wasn't, I didn't feel that. And the only, and it had been decades at that point since I had felt like truly joyful. I was a very joyful teenager, um, you know, very happy, very easygoing. And all of a sudden it's just, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Why do I feel miserable? Or is this really all there is? in my life. So the first step was to acknowledge that really sit down and say, okay, this is how I feel. And I accept that feeling, which was really hard because again, I was really good at pretending or being optimistic or being happy or trying to make everybody else happy, but I didn't know how to make myself um, have that joy. So Through that, I started focusing on my physical health, which was the 
number one thing, I will call it the biggest pebble on my shoe, right? It's like there were a lot of uh, pebbles in my shoe, but that was the biggest one. So take care of my health first. And then I got super interested in nutrition. I got certified in plant-based nutrition and I changed my eating habits. And all of a sudden I started to learn about our second brain, which is in the gut and how it impacts our mood and how it impacts um, that brain fog that I had mentioned earlier, our energy levels, all of that. So through finding that physical um, stability and health, I started to recognize my own inner talk. And this is when I started dabbling into meditation. I will sit down to meditate and I will have guided meditations because it was don't ask me to sit down and be quiet because it's impossible. Like it was just impossible. So I will have something, a guided meditation, five minutes or 10 minutes. And I will just listen to what they will say. And I will notice that my mind will go and wonder and it's like, okay. And then I'll just bring him back to what the person was saying on the meditation until I started to hear in my head, what, where my mind was going, where it was wandering. And it was very used to doing. Why do I have to do? I need to go to this or the grocery list, or it was stuck in that. And at that same time, I started reading uh, Brene Brown and I started reading how the doing can be used as a numbing mechanism to avoid processing certain emotions and trauma. And that's kind of what got me into this journey of, you know, understanding really what life is about for me. Like, how can I define it for myself? Granted, in that process, I took six months off after I got laid off, dabbled with food blogging, did some other things, got into entrepreneurship, found another. I actually went back to the, to the same place that had laid me off, but in a different position worked there for a few months, then switch companies to now be um, a manager responsible for North and South America. So to me, that was like, oh my God, this is amazing, right? My dream from when I was 20, I'm 34 years old and I'm here and I've made it. And um, the I'm here and I made it was my aunt called me and said, my dad is really sick in Venezuela and he's she's not sure if he's gonna make it so I went back to Venezuela and brought him here and became a caregiver so that changed priorities again so you were still in this role the responsibility North South America and now taking care of your dad yeah yeah so just make it fun life makes it fun Yeah, and and you know, I've been scribbling some notes as you've been talking. There's some interesting things that you shared there um, that I just want to reflect on briefly. Is um, first of all, acknowledging that you're not happy, um, and that's not an easy thing to do, mm-hmm. particularly as and I'm not going to say it's you alone. It's it's most people, right, who project a certain life that they have. And it's almost like a surface level. Mm-hmm. But what's really going on underneath, we don't always know. And it's not to say you should declare it to the world either, but it's also stopping to acknowledge how do you really feel? Yes. And, and that takes courage to do that in itself and to actually, mm-hmm. it's like looking in the mirror and facing up to that. So, that, you know, acknowledge you for that. Um, the other thing you said there is, the question you ask is there is this all there is in my life mm-hmm. and I love that because it I resonate with it as well and it's almost like it's it's not necessarily the dissatisfaction but more the there's more to life than this I want more and, yeah. and you know so it's not like you're really just miserable as, as sin necessarily but you're just okay, I'm doing this, it's okay, but I know there's more. And I know that was a big question for me when I've made some of the the bigger decisions in my life, particularly around my career and doing what I do now, is that 
is this all there is in my life Mm -hmm. or is there and it's being curious and wanting to explore and to discover something new which of course you're going to get onto in a second but you've already done that too um so I really like that and then the other thing you mentioned I mean I'm very much about gut health and um nutrition and so forth because I I I've been there done it and totally recognize the impact of not taking care of your gut versus doing the right thing by it um to have the right as you said the energy clarity of mind rather than the brain fog the energy the motivation to just get up and do things it is so so impactful so I know how important that is um you know hats off to you for taking that as your first priority right to, to address that because that's often, as we know, the thing that's at the bottom of the list because yep. we don't have time. And it's like, no, I've got to work, I've got to do this, you've got to do that. And health will come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing I just want to mention is what you said about um, doing. Your, so, what you acknowledge for yourself through the meditation is the doing of being constantly busy to avoid processing emotions and trauma. And I I feel that's a huge one because I'm very guilty of it. I was very guilty of that. Um, And it's when I started working on myself and having a coach and really doing a lot of self-reflection, I started to notice that I was always busy. And my coach asked me once, she said, um, so how long is it that you've always been this busy? And I stopped and I was like, yeah, it's since my mom got ill. Because mm. it was not wanting to deal with the emotions that came with her illness and the situation. So whilst me and my dad kind of split roles as her carer, um, but I didn't go down. Like, I literally would say things, like, I'll put that in a box, that emotion, um, you know, mm-hmm. and move on. Don't need to deal with that. Because I thought that was okay. That's how you deal with things. But constantly kept busy. And it's only probably in the last two, three years now that I've really slowed it down. Really slowed it down. <laughs> it's like, okay, stop now. You don't have to have a constant to-do list. Right. It's okay to just sit on the sofa and watch some TV or read a book or meditate or whatever. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you're being lazy. It just means you're doing you're still doing right because you're doing something. It's just something different than a work list or a house management list or something. Yes. Yeah. I I love that you've, you've recognized that because it is to me boiled down to role models growing up Mm -hmm. Uh, for me personally. Um, My mom was one of 12 kids. My dad was in the army he was constantly working or away, et cetera. My mom was working also. And when I started to enter my teenage years, she pretty much was a single parent because of my dad's um, job. Yeah. And she enrolled in university to finish her degree to become, you know, so she could get better pay for uh, being a teacher. And so during my high school time, I will see my mom get up at 4, 4.30 in the morning to do some of her homework, then get shower, get dressed, make breakfast, take us to school, go to work. In Venezuela, um, when you're a teacher, you only work for half a day and then come home, eat lunch, leave for college, take classes, come back, do some homework, go to sleep and repeat it all over again. So my dad is away working. My mom is at home, but she's busy all the time. This is what adults do. And it took me years to recognize. And I think there's a book by Brene Brown called, I'm I'm looking over there because that's where I have my books, but it's called um, The Gifts of Imperfection. And one of the, I think it was like in one of the first pages, she talks about the doing as numbing. And that just hit me on the face. That was just to me, oh my God, that's what my mom has done for so many years. She cannot handle certain emotions. 
And she even tells me to this day, it's like, if something is wrong or if something is bothering you, just, just get busy. Just like, just mm. find things to do. Because it's the mind that's creating these things. And I was like, well, it's the mind that hasn't been able to process all the emotions that is creating these things. But there's another mind that's the one that you get in touch. Or, or for me, that's the one that I was able to tap into through meditation. But it's the one that you can tap into if you love to run. For example, when I was um, training for, for the marathon, is that that space of just this is your body's doing something, but your mind is kind of just hanging in there, maybe processing, maybe getting ideas, maybe, you know, it's just allowing yourself for some creative space. Mm. That's where creativity really comes into you is when you allow yourself to do the bare minimum or do nothing. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting if we stop and, and, and ask ourselves, where do we generate the best ideas for those light bulb moments or, mm-hmm. you know, and for me, it's if I'm in the shower, if I'm driving yeah, or possibly out walking, but more for me is if I'm driving and I'm then in that um, sort of zoned out peripheral vision, just not even knowing I'm going from A to B. Right that you're activating your subconscious at that point and then the thought starts to pop up you're like oh yeah wow like you know what I mean and <laughs> yeah but if you sit and try really hard it like you're forcing it it doesn't come right the ideas don't it, it come. doesn't <laughs> so yeah and I think you know something I've, I've learned as well is kind of that doing um an avoidance of like facing up to or processing emotions and, and 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 trauma, whatever is going on for somebody, um, as I'm sure you will share, surely it also has a huge impact on your physiology, mm-hmm. and that's something I've learned. Yeah, because you're then suppressing. Yes, you know what's what's really going on, and that will have to go somewhere, mm-hmm. and that's when a lot of these health issues, as I guess you've experienced, what you shared earlier start to arise yeah so although it's physical often it's emotional as well um so yeah so tell me then what happened because now it sounds like you started to recognize the balance that you needed you're Mm -hmm. prioritizing your health creating space so so what next well so so first I recognize well, I started to learn a lot about how the mind-body connection works, right? And how a lot of my health issues flare up because my nervous system was constantly in stress mode. Mm-hmm. It was constantly activated. So what happens there? I, I learn, and this is super interesting because when I talk to my aunt and my mom, it's like every time we get a shocking new Uh, news or something that's like or we get scared or something we feel it in our stomachs it's like immediately we're feeling in our gut and when I started like doing more research and reading more about this um, I learned that how when your body is with the stress response active it takes all your all that energy is being processed to your muscles so you can run it like increases your heart rate so you're you know, so your blood is like flowing differently. So all these things that actually happen in your body because of a stress response. Now it's natural to the body. We're not, we were programmed like that. Like the story always goes like when the tiger was chasing you, right? The caveman. But now the stress comes from opening your inbox and you have 600 emails to go through. Or you open the fridge and all of a sudden you're like, oh crap, I run out of the stuff that I need to make dinner. And now I have to run to the supermarket, like all these little things, or, you know, there's like, you're getting bills and you look at your bank account, like all these adult problems, they do create this stress response. So with my health and learning, like, okay, how do I shut, like, how do I switch to being calm, to being able to get into um, 
the rest response, the digest response, because that was part of my healing process of my body. I needed to get my body balanced again, get my digestion system to be able to process foods again in a way that was not triggering allergies or bloatness, et cetera. And um, just learning, there are so many different ways that you can bring your body back to this um, parasympathetic, the parachute, I call it the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest. And I came across breath work. So then through the meditation training, they taught us a few breathing techniques as well that bring your body back to balance. And that doesn't take a lot of time because that's the other thing I thought when I started dabbling into uh, meditation and breathing exercises and really relaxing is like, well, that's taking too much time that I can, I don't have half an hour to sit down in my day to meditate. Right. And, and this is why I, cre I started with creating a habit and I love the book Atomic Habits. If your audience hasn't read it, please go read that book, which is to create the minimum friction for the habit to happen. And I started with five minutes. I said, if I don't have five minutes in my day, there's a bigger problem going on here, right? So I started with that. That's, that's where I took it next. And then I realized, oh, wow, with this five minutes that I'm dedicating to myself, it boiled down to learn to fill my cup first. If I do that first thing in the day, my day, no matter what's going to be thrown at me, is going to go a lot easier because I filled my cup. And the reason why I was have I had so many struggles and issues before is because the moment I woke up, I was thinking about everybody else. Because thinking of me first thing was selfish. Or at least that was the story I had programmed yeah. in my mind. Right. So and again, the role model, I saw my mom get up, you know, okay, I have to do this for school and I have to do this for the kids. I have to make breakfast for them. And he was always giving, giving, giving. So to me, that was the model. And then it's like, okay, learn that putting myself first, taking five minutes for me, reading books, um, which I love. I, I, I call it killing two birds at once. It's something that rests to me really brings me to rest because I have to focus on something. And then I was able to read things that were enriching my mind and I was learning from it, which I love. So five minutes, I started with five minutes and I started reading books and it was just like book after book. And it's like all these new concepts on how to really live well, um, that I was just like, okay, this is, this is the next thing that I'm going to do. And when my dad, when I became a caregiver, that's when I really was like, now I really need to fill my cup even more because if I'm going to help him, I cannot be the one that needs to go to the hospital because I'm having problems yeah. um, because my high blood, because I'm getting high blood pressure or because my stomach is a complete mess or I'm getting IBS or all these different things that I had learned at that point were triggered by stress. It's like, okay, I need to really fill my cup first before I'm able to help him and also to perform at work. So it, it just, my analytical brain was like, okay, these are the steps you have to take. This is the system you have to set up in your life to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, funny, actually, you mentioned atomic habits because I'm partway through reading it again for the second time. Um, and I'm doing very similar to what you said there. It's, avoiding the resistance to things by making it easy to do mm -hmm. and starting with the five minutes because those it's compound effects and it's the little five minutes yeah. that you'll start to see improvements in whatever whether it's the meditation whether it's the exercise the reading that you'll then be naturally drawn to want to do more of it mm -hmm. and create the time to do more but it's starting isn't it? it's taking that one step for that yeah. one five minute slot and, and moving it forward and, and, you know, what you said about filling your cup first, we hear it all the time. It's like, and, and it's not, you know, if I think back, like even for me, when I was taking care of both of my parents, it, it was 
it was easier for me to take care of myself by the way when I was had them around and it's like now that I don't have that there's less pressure on me to take care of me which is an interesting one right right um is that the priority and is that kind of like, who do you prioritize you prioritize everybody else but in yeah. that sense I took care of myself to prioritize taking care of them mm-hmm. but then that's shifted um but it's it's having that self-awareness to understand why you're doing what you're doing yes and then to okay what do I now need to do differently to, to move this forward mm-hmm. yeah it's it's the the motivation right mm. the motivation that you don't have anymore because now your parents are not part of your responsibility or helping them and now it's like well I'm just me taking care of the things that I want so it's like that that motivation um it's it's finding a new fire it's what I call it it's like finding a new fire and to do that you have to be really curious and Mm. that's what I learned in my journey of not knowing who I was or having that time to explore to just be curious try something and I'll try it for two months or three months before I will say yes it was fun or no it actually wasn't for me like Mm. I join a a yoga studio for three months and at one point it became another to do so the reward wasn't there anymore right right um so to me it's like okay maybe that isn't it right now I'm loving getting up going for a 20 minute walk because that kind of I my motivation is I can only listen to the audiobooks when I'm on my walk so it's my motivation. <laughs> yes. To do that. Which is Atomic Habits, right? It talks about, right? you know, finding two things, one thing that you really want to do and one thing that you kind of have to do and do them together. Yes. Yeah. And getting yeah. the benefit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Habit stacking, all of that. Yeah, I love that book. That book just mm. gave me the language to... Um, and look back and say like oh that's what I was doing because when I decided to give myself those five minutes first thing in the morning what I will do is I will make the bed and I will put my book on top of my pillow so as soon as I got out of the shower and got dressed I saw the book and I will set a timer and I will sit down and read it so it's like five minutes and it's a commitment and I would say for some people you may need an external accountability person mm-hmm. to help you with that um another fantastic book called the uh, four tendencies by Gretchen Rubin talks about inner expectations and outer expectations and how sometimes for some people they're really struggle with meeting inner expectations and they need that accountability so set up the system for you there's nothing wrong with you it's just your own nature and I love reading things that help me kind of understand who I am what are my strengths and lean into that as well yeah most definitely so tell me like what is it you're doing now yeah so I became part of that great reshuffling or great resignation um I noticed at the beginning of the pandemic directly with my family and with um you know people around me that we really were struggling with our mental health and with stress and how to manage the stress. And, you know, my mom will call me and she'd never had issues with high blood pressure. And she said, you know, my, my blood pressure is off the roof. I don't know what's going on. And that was because she's a very social person. She goes to church, she volunteers, she was taking English classes of the sudden pandemic hits, everything shuts down the model of I always have to be busy now I'm not busy now I'm sitting with my thoughts and my emotions and my blood pressure is rising because I don't know how to handle this so um and I will talk to friends and especially the ones that had kids and it was just all these different things um that were thrown at them and is that false sense of control that we've lived through before the pandemic. And now we really are hit on the face of, we really don't have a lot of control over things outside of us. We can only control how we react. So this Mm -hmm. is the time where I um, 
getting to getting certified to teach meditation because I did see how in the past three, four years, I had that tool to help me relax when I was in stressful situations for work or when something had happened for my dad where he was in a, um, you know, on the low side of his health. And I got certified with meditation and that gave me the clarity again, giving myself the space and the opportunity to sit down. And it's like, what is, what else is there? And it's just, I wish when I was going through all my issues you know, 10 years ago, I had someone that could tell me, this is what's happening, kind of do the root cause analysis <laughs> that we love to do in tech and engineering. This is what's happening. And here is the, here are the tools that you can use to process because I switch tools all the time, depending on the situation and depending on the time that I have. So now um, I left my um, job last year, changed my title to wellness engineer and help professionals in STEM and tech really learn these strategies and tools and process, um, processes that they can implement in a way that is sustainable. Because every time I read, wake up at four in the morning, go to the gym and work out, or wake up at four in the morning and meditate for an hour, I'm like, no, my bed feels really good. And this is why I think that Atomic Habits book is fantastic, because it really takes away this myth or this giant monster that we're supposed to tackle to make it work and break it down into the minimum smallest micro step that you can do. And it's just ditching them. Listen, I didn't recognize that I was not breathing in the way that was activating my um, nervous system to rest and digest. I was always upper chest breathing. Um, because I have been so stressed for so many years. <laughs> so it's just yeah. learning belly breathing, learning these other breathing techniques, learning, you know, meditation can take five minutes or you can do an active meditation, um, you know, really focus on the food, keeping my gut clean and healthy and notice how, um, how it, if I eat certain foods, if it doesn't settle well, it changes my mood. Sugar, I had to cut sugar. I have a sweet tooth, but it was just immediately will trigger my fears and expand them. So I will notice if I will eat a lot of refined foods or processed sugars or fatty foods, my next two, three days was in this scarcity mindset, very scary, very negative place. But because I'm able to observe now my thoughts and I've become so familiar with the inner parts of Lena's in my head, um, I really was able to recognize, oh, this is what's happening. Here's the trend. Same with alcohol. I had to cut alcohol because it just didn't settle well on my, on my God and my mind. I will just feel depleted and tired. And I love having energy. So it's like, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's just this little tweak. So, mm. um, yeah. And so who do you work with? You said people in STEM, so. Yes, so professionals in STEM, um, my focus in, is mainly on mid-career professionals because that's where you've already kind of know what your job requires, but now you have the either the aging parents or you have the young children or you have both. You have the parents and the children and you're stretching yourself so thin and you really keep yourself last on your list. So it's helping um, mostly women, but I also have worked with some um, men where it's just helping to shift that mindset that you're not selfish by taking care of yourself first, that it is, it's okay to feel overwhelmed for everything that is going on in your life. Now it's just, okay. Where do you feel that? How does it feel? Can you put it into words? Can you describe it instead of keeping it in your head and trying to use the doing for numbing, which then leads you to burnout. So it's pretty much teaching stress management, stress reduction and burnout prevention tools to mid-career professionals in STEM. It's uh, what I've been doing 
Okay. And how do people get in touch with you? What's the easiest way to contact? The easiest way is they can email me, um, Lenis, my first name at lenisperez.com. Mm-hmm. Um, just we can book a call, 30 minutes. I you know, I like to talk to people because I think the chemistry between two people working together has to be right. Absolutely. And also, um, I want to make sure that you're in a place where I can help you, where I can really be of service. And I've spoken with some people that I say, listen, I think this is a better route for you at this moment. Um, to work with somebody else, either start with therapy, for example, go to um, therapy or start with a nutritionist that can really help you um, hone down the issues with your gut. And then we can take into the mind, right? Because it's the the body, mind and spirit. And I focus more on the mind and the spirit part of it, not so much on the body. I think there are fantastic professionals out there that are doing an incredible job with helping people heal their gut and really bring back their balance for their physical health before we can tackle that yeah. um, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And I think, you know, that there is such a demand for what you're doing now. You know, as you mentioned with the pandemic, everything changing, people feeling out of control, not knowing where to turn next, what to do all of the pressures you've got the pressures of the news and social media there's so mm-hmm. much outside of us so much noise and sometimes we don't even realize the stress that it is putting on us because we're just taking it all in like it's acceptable it's normal and then not stopping to recognize the impact it's actually having on us and our physiology yes. and, our, and our mental health as well yeah I'll say number one notice your resistance your resistance is giving you a clue. If you resist sitting down and stopping, that's your first clue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely that. Absolutely that. Then it's it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Um, We definitely have a lot in common, I think, and shared views around this topic. Um, So it's been great to to hear your journey to where you are now and, and what you're doing to support others. So thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure and I hope uh, your audience really gets some valuable content from here. If anything, go grab those books. They're going to be really helpful. <laughs> Definitely. I, I second that. The first one was um, Atomic Habits. The second one was The Four, uh, the four Tendencies, tendencies yeah. by Gretchen Rubin and The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Yeah. Dr. Brene Brown. Yeah. Fantastic. Let us thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you enjoyed and gained value from today's episode, then do please leave a review telling us your key learnings and what you enjoyed the most. And do please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can spread the word on life leadership creating a life of choice, freedom and new possibilities. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn and if you would like to learn more about how we can work together, either DM me on LinkedIn or email me. All details and resources can be found in the show notes.